the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak, the Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week, the Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. <laughs> and this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 502, Mr. Samich. Keeneland. Huzzah! Huzzah! My dogs are excited that we're on live, too. Yeah, they just, so right, literally as I hit the live button, they just started going nuts back there. They should uh, be. Letting, baby, let's go. They're letting the neighbors know it's Keeneland time on the Magic Mike Show. Yeah, we're excited. Good afternoon, Chris Mill. Good afternoon, everybody who's watching and will be joining us here for this one. Uh, eight minutes before we went live, Mike texted me and goes, I don't think that your ticket uh, on the back end is correct. The races are the 6 through 10 for the pick 5 at Keeneland, not the actual last 5 races, which makes sense. Like, I understand putting that maiden special weight at the very end because it's a big field and you could go a lot of different ways. Um, from a betting perspective, that's a good one to put there. But why put it there if it's not the last leg of the late pick 5? I don't understand it, Mike. Interesting decision not to have the 11th say, I don't know, the 5th or something like that, right? Uh, but they wanted to have the all-graded stakes pick 5. So we got three, two grade 2s, three grade 1s. Nice little smattering of races here. Uh, means we have some cheaper tickets today, too. Neither of us going over the $40 mark with the 50-cent tickets just because uh, I think we both have some, A, decent opinions, and B, uh, there could be a little chalk coming in here at Keeneland this weekend, I'd say. Uh, Chris Mellis said, the three people who annoy me most in the world. One, Daniel Jones. Two, the dude who insists on including over-under turf sprints in every single, single Keeneland pick five and six. And three, Daniel Jones again. Sorry, Chris. I don't know. I, we don't. So that's not us, at least. That's a positive. Yeah, I don't. That's it. Man, you shut know, up back there. Those do, those you know who dogs, makes I my see. list today? The people who annoy Who's me that? the most? Brad Cox. I really don't appreciate all this cross-entering at Keeneland and Aqueduct. I mean, what is up with that? You'd think it was like fairgrounds on one of their big days, like during the you know the springtime when it's like, hey, three horses are entered in four different races. How are you even allowed to do that? Oh, I hate that. Yeah, I know it's it's just kind of ridiculous, man. It's like, come on, can we just if if we're gonna run in great, you know where the horse is training? It, it's like you have an idea that you're not shipping them in right now. They're already where they're gonna be. Can we just single enter these horses, make everybody's life easier? Well, hopefully we'll make your life a little easier by giving you some winners or at least some good discussion here on Keeneland's Late Pick 5, which are races 6 through 10, all graded stakes, like Mike said. Uh, three of them are Breeders' Cup winning your rims. The other two used to be, and they might as well be because lots of talented horses. Let's get into it, buddy. Special little commercial break here. We'll be right back. Riders up! We are so pumped to offer the best deal we've had all year long. Not one, not two, but three upcoming wagering guides absolutely free. Subscribe. You're getting all three of those for free. That betting Bible this weekend, Keeneland on Saturday, October 7th. There's five graded stakes races, really, really good racing top to bottom on that card. So you'll want to know, get myself and Halterman's what we're betting every single race. Who do we like? What are our best bets? Pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, ROIs included. You'll also get top four picks from every single race from every handicapper at racingdudes.com. That's all available in the betting Bible as well as the Breeders' Cup betting Bible coming out next month. All right, guys, go get your hands on this right now. October 4th to October 7th, three wagering guides absolutely for free. Any subscription you can get your hands on, you'll get those included. All right, guys, 
Good luck this weekend. That's right, the Magic Mike Show presented by the Inside Track. No, that's the old one. The Coolmore Turf Stakes wow. Betting Bible. I forgot about the name change. We'll run this back. <laughs> that's right, the Magic Mike Show presented by the Coolmore Turf Stakes Betting Bible. Uh, it's available now at RacingDudes.com. It is free along with the Breeders' Cup 14 Trends and the Breeders' Cup Betting Bible. A $130 value. It is free with any subscription, monthly subscription at RacingDudes.com. That could include the Samo Bombs, which will be targeting Keeneland. This weekend, and of course, starting off the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 7th, race six, the grade two Woodford Stakes, 12 males, three and up, sprinting five and a half furlongs on the turf. Not officially a win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, but you got to assume at least the winner goes from this race, if not a few horses. So tell me, where are you going on top? Let's get spicy, baby. 12 to 1. Give me the nine horse. Coffee Maker on top here. Uh, nice Ooh. win last time out at Saratoga. It's a horse that was supposed to be the bee's knees and was more the uh, the pig's rear for the early part of his career after getting a nice w uh onto the board at keeneland to break the maiden going four and a half went over to ascot didn't run very well there came back over here didn't run great until about oh october 16 2022 gets a nice win off the layoff here at keeneland comes back runs okay in a philly allowance but that last race at saratoga looked like the old coffee maker once again I think we're rip-roaring ready to go here. We know Wesley Ward does well at Keeneland. I love that Saez back aboard two for two with this horse. Love me the price at 12 to 1, 2. Give me Coffee Maker on top here. A little price to kick us off, Magic. I misspoke. I apologize to Coffee Maker. It's not 12 males, 3 and up. It's 12 horses, 3 and up. I got to stop wow. uh, misgendering these horses here. Yeah, no, Coffee Maker, the filly here. And I, <laughs> it really is. Uh, my job, actually uh is to make sure i put this horse on there as well it's wesley ward and the keeneland turf sprint not my uh top pick my second choice but absolutely agree with you uh that that's the price we get and uh i was hoping because she's a philly i was like hey we'll get a little bit of a weight break nope she's carrying 120 but that's okay we'll still uh we'll still take her love this size is gonna be on her uh yeah all systems go for that one my top pick sired just by. Her... huh sired by coffee maker yeah Oh, Jimmy Creed. I was like, Jimmy I don't Creed. think violence. Also friends with Casa Creed. Anyway, my top pick, and you're just to the inside, number eight, our shot, uh, sired by Cantheros, if you want to know. Another great turf sprint sire. Uh, for me, this horse, I think, is, is going to be peaking at just the right time. Uh, at Saratoga, last time out, we got third by a neck to Thin White Duke and Big Invasion. Big Invasion, a really great turf sprinter. Thin White Duke, it, isn't that a donk horse? Did we do a donk on turf at Saratoga? Uh, the race before that, got the win in a turf allowance at Saratoga. The race before that, sorry. this horse has just very consistently either been winning or like just missing by the slimmest of margins since becoming a turf sprinter. So uh, I like this horse a lot. I love that we got that three-length victory here at Keeneland. But the horse is a front runner, but doesn't need to be on the front. It can sit off a little bit, especially to show that. Uh, on the dirt uh, as well. So I think the horse, you know, is tactical. Whatever Tyler Gaffleone, the king of Keeneland Racing, wants to do, give it to me, T. Gaff. Our shot at nine to two. Yeah, Thin White Duke and um, 
your buddy there, Big Invasion, facing off in the Grade 3 Turf Sprint at Belmont on, well, at Backwaduck. It's the Belmont Grade 3 Turf Sprint at Backwaduck on Saturday as well. Uh, our shot has no shot. No need to use that horse. Just chuck him out, baby. Uh, I, don't, I don't like this horse. I just, you know, didn't make the top four for me. Give me Beer Can Man, though. The 11, we talked about this. When Diamato ships, they run. Diamato shipping. Your can man's going to run. Don't love the post, though. The 11 post, pretty tough to win from yeah. uh, when you're at Keeneland. So that, that to me, is the one knock here. I thought your can man ran well over this course off a monster layoff over a year off. Uh, came back and ran a, a decent fifth as the favorite that day. Came back at Pimlico, was able to get the job done over nothing better. And Coppola, uh, that last two at Del Mar, I think, was a little bit overmatched considering who uh, he was facing. But now Diamato sends us one back out to the East Coast. I think your can man is all systems go here. He's got a Pretty good shot at getting the uh, the W. So give me the nine and the eleven is the two must uses. We both have a five dollar ticket and a fifty cent ticket. I'm just going with a nine eleven on my five dollar ticket. How deep are you going on yours? Uh, so five dollar ticket. I'm going four deep. I hit the all button here because I do have a couple of singles uh, later in the sequence here on fifty cent and five dollars. So I hit the all button. Uh, sometimes when these turf sprints, things can get wacky. I also in my fifty cent ticket am trying to beat. Like you are the favorite here, the number two, live in the dream at three to one. Um, we can talk about him a little bit because we're both trying to beat him, but um, uh, because of that, I really think that you know hitting the all button is kind of like a safety net to get through here. But I think he is beatable. Beer can man, third up for me. Uh, Flavian Pratt rode this horse at Keeneland when he came back from the big red. You remember that day too? Of course you do. That was the day Damato had he had one other horse earlier that day run huge, and we were all yep. like Damato, and then this horse came up there and got hammered because the other the previous Damato ran his ass off. Yeah, and just missed too. Ran uh, or no, this one won that day, right? You're talking about the Pimlico race or the the? No, uh, no, I'm sorry. The at Keeneland, at Keeneland. Oh, the, there was earlier yeah. that day. There was yeah. another Damato horse, or the day before that had run extremely huge. That was a fine race, though. Front run the Fed won that race at like fifteen to one or something, I believe. I remember yeah. that. That was a fun race. Front run the Fed, the one win that I that he's ever had, I think, since we started picking like, every race. Um, I, so I used the two. I used Living the Dream. Um, that was one. Of, that was my third horse in here. This one's coming from Europe. I'm interested to see what the actual off odds are here. A lot of times you don't see turf sprinters get bet when they come over here. But the big thing about this horse, this is a speed horse, and we don't see a ton of speed turf sprinters from Europe come over to the U.S. Can be interested to see if Living the Dream can be able to have that same pace over here that he had over there the the you generally the united states sprints are significantly faster early than these european sprints so the trip here is going to be a big part of whether or not living the dream is going to be able to to be up there but when you look at what this horse has done overseas i mean the 123 time form jumps out of the page winning a group one last time out at york um in great britain and this horse was on the lead the whole way, won at 28 to 1 that day, beating 15 other horses. That was second out as a four year old. We talk a lot about like that kind of late four year old season, second off a layoff angle, took a nice step forward. Feels like this is a hey, we're going to test the waters here if we can go to the Breeders' Cup sprint or not. So I would expect this one's going to be reared and ready to go here. Uh, so I, I did use the two as my third horse on. I, I, so you weren't a fan of this two at all? I'm trying to beat first time North America inside draw in this horse from the. Um... Right, the replays and everything that I was able to see. This is a front runner, and so that means that you need to be faster than ten other horses out of the stall to your outside, who are used to running here in America on this, you know, this style of breaking from the gate that we have. Um, and he, yeah, I just think it all sets up to try and be again. I hit the all button for fifty cents, so it kind of covers here. But for my five dollar ticket, I'm absolutely trying to beat this horse. Yeah, 
Okay. No, that makes sense. All right. So I, I'm using yeah. the two nine eleven. I'm using one other in here. Let's see. Do we have overlap on the other? We well, don't. Yeah. We're they're right next to each other though. I'll I'll go first. I'll talk about the seven Coppola twelve to one here. Both getting horses at odds too. Um, Dale Romans, man. I don't know why. The... You love Dale Romans. Okay. I love Dale Romans. I love me some Dale Romans. Listen, this You're horse Dale uh, Rom- Halloween. When Romans got his hands on this horse, he actually was like, you know what this horse is? What I'm great at is Dale Romans. I'm great at turf sprinting. So we're gonna make this horse a turf sprinter. Uh had that super effort at Churchill Downs in the third effort. The first two before that weren't terrible. Uh a good fourth to your buddy Smokin' Jay, and then Shecky Shabazz uh time traveled from three years ago and showed up and won that second race there. Uh but then third a good third to Beer Can Man at Pimlico. Um, you know, the grid one Jiper way in over his head, but that was Caravelle. It was Casa Creed. I mean, it's Casa Creed. You can't fault him for Casa not Creed. showing up against Casa Creed. Uh, ran well. He finished six. He's only beaten a length and a half in allowance at Saratoga that had some good horses in there, including my top pick, our shot. Uh, missed Arzak two back when he was trying to set the pace. Went back to stalking last out. Coppola got the win. So give me Coppola, I think, sets a really nice stalking trip, uh, a pressing trip. You got the one, the 12. The two if he's lucky to get out of the gate. So yeah, I like the seven here. Nice front running trip. Uh it got a definitely got a shot. I mean, this is one at twelve to one. I wouldn't just uh try and talk anyone off of. Uh I like the obviously that race back at Churchill. It's a one on one buyer and just looks like a monster beating Mr. Mmm uh is pretty pretty good race there. If we can go back to that, <laughs> definitely has a big shot. Uh, and you're getting the right price on Dale Romans. You want that twelve to one. Uh man, that would have been a fun payoff to losing the fantasy league if we made someone dress like Dale Romans at the Breeders' Cup. Wow. Yeah, that would have been a good time. Uh, go. I'm going to go right to the inside here. I'm going to go with the six Olympic runner as my next one on here. Uh, interesting career shift here. So it's generally a woodbine horse for a long time. The last five races all been in the U.S. and gotten progressively better with each one of those starts. I love the cutback to sprinting two back. When we go five and a half at Colonial. Horse was able to win that race. One at 10 to one. Jumps up into the turf sprint at Kentucky Downs. And... I actually thought ran exceptionally well there. Ends up missing by a half length, got beat by by Bad Beak Brian by a neck, but the top four really a blanket finish at the finish line. And I thought Olympic Runner did the most running to be able to go wide, come from way back in the pack, make a huge storm home, ended up just missing. I think this turf course is going to benefit Olympic Runner. If you think about like the the Woodbine type turf courses, this Keeneland turf course has it's not a super long stretch, but it feels like they're in the damn thing forever and someone can it really it. does. I mean, it just there's like, there's like seven cameras they have to go to. And so I think this stretch mm-hmm. is a positive for Olympic runner who should be able to close some ground, make up some ground. I want to be more toward the inside. So I like the post position draw for Olympic runner as well. Should be able to save ground, tilt out and make one big run. Love the price at 10 to one. Uh, and the connections aren't bad either. You get Hernandez and Cassie here at a decent price of the horse that looks like he should be able to handle the ter- surface in the distance. I didn't use, but kind of, you know, I'm not going to poo-poo on it. The horse uh, shows up and gives a good effort a lot of times. I'm worried that five and a half might be a little too short. I know we got the win at five and a half, uh, but it was allowance horses at Colonial. For this kind of level, I feel like maybe a little longer is what the horse needs. Uh, but, you know, again, got that five and a half win two back. So maybe what the hell do I know? Uh, and you got Brian Hernandez Jr. Doesn't write often for Mark Cassie, but a great jockey, a great trainer. So don't hate the pick there. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, just keep improving. I mean, the last two starts have been arguably two of the best starts of Olympic runners career. And this is a seven-year-old gelded horse who just seems to kind of figure things out. I like the fact, like I said, 
we cut back to turf sprinting and that's when we see this new horse. It's not when we're, you know, we're doing something that's a little bit different than what we've generally been doing on different surfaces. And then, and by that, I mean, not at Woodbine. And then all of a sudden we're seeing a different life for the racehorse. And so that tells me that this horse still wants to run and that I think shorter distances are a little bit better than longer right now for Olympic runner who hopefully come charging and gets off to a nice little start. Cause that wouldn't be a bad all button horse for you either magic. No, yeah, absolutely. I any of these horses that you're picking along odds, I'm rooting for you at least in the 50 center there. We, Second uh, leg of the Can we bring up that? one more real quick? Oh yeah, go ahead. How often do you see Wesley Ward and Jose Ortiz 20 to 1 on the morning line at Keeneland? That is an interesting horse here. Yeah, I witnessed the only 3-year-old in here uh 20 to 1 got the stakes win at Belmont um against 3-year-olds going 7 furlongs two back and last time ran well to get third uh, from well off the pace. It could hit the board. It wouldn't shock you. The, the price is surprising, but I think a lot of it is because this horse has just been facing, you know, New York bred three-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we're, we're taking a step up from, you know, not even graded company three-year-olds, but, you know, open company, overnight stakes, listed stakes, essentially, uh, was mm-hmm. two for two in sta- um, was two for two in stakes races going into that Saratoga race. That was first off a layoff. I think the posi- the placement is really interesting here. Like, if you want to spend a little bit more, I don't hate using the four here. If you want to add it to my ticket, it would cost you an extra, what, nine bucks? It would be a $45 ticket instead of 36 This was the last one off for me. Um, and at a monster price, too. I-, I thought that was a decent play. An all-button 20-to-1 morning line? Sure, why not? Not a terrible way to kick it off. Second leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 7th. Race 7, the Thoroughbred Club of America Stakes or the TCA Stakes, a grade two race for seven. Phillies and Mares going six furlongs on the dirt. A win in year in four, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mares sprint. Where'd you go on top, buddy? Well, this is where uh, two div- two roads diverge in the wood, right? You're singling a horse Ooh. I'm not using, so a little bit of spice there. Um, I, yeah. I guess this is not creative, but it's a little more creative since it's not the favorite. I went with the one Wicked Halo on top here. Um, I, this horse, I thought, has just run into some absolutely brutal trips if you look back and really good horses too i mean lost a good night olive Matarea. uh those are some pretty good horses if they were in here they'd be really short prices and that last race is just a straight draw line through it i mean the horse just ran poorly it was a five horse field you never got to see the best from wicked halo i would expect we're not going to see those type of races back to back she doesn't usually struggle it was really the first bad race that shows up on her page in her 16 race career so I expect we're going to get back to the the original Wicked Halo here. And it's interesting because she was 39 cents on the dollar that day. She's five to two today. And your horse, Yuri Guri, three to one, three, three and a half to one on the line that day. Two to one today is your favorite. So I like the odds flip here because I, I feel like that Wicked Halo race is really easy to excuse. It's just, hey, horse had a bad day. Let's move along. One to five, maybe a little too short to take on her in that spot. And I... I, listen, I went into this thinking I was going to pick Wicked Halo. I love Wicked Halo. Um, I think the setup from the pace uh, perspective and the distance is what's going to do her in here. And it's why I singled you, Geary. Um, this horse is perfect in five starts at six furlongs on dirt. She's got the tactical speed where she can lead, she can press, she can stalk. Whatever you need you, Geary, to do for Flavian Pratt, she can do it. I love that he's riding back. He usually does very well when he rides for Rudy Brissett, a fellow Frenchman. So, uh, yeah, you, Gary, I, I don't see it playing out in really much different than it did last time out. And it was six furlongs at Churchill Downs. We're switching to Keeneland. But I don't see with Fire on Time in here again, Wicked Halo in here again. Is Happy Soul going to make that much of a difference where it negatively affects you, Gary? I think it actually helps her. 
Interesting. Interesting argument. I will disagree with you. And I'm going to actually use a couple other horses in here because I do think this one's ripe for the upset as well. I think you got a shot of getting around uh, specifically the one and the six. I, I like the four static fire quite a bit here, uh, who was coming in off of turf efforts. So you specifically look at that last one. It was an absolutely phenomenal effort going six and a half furlongs on the turf. The race before that, five and a half, five furlongs on the turf. But you go back to three back, and this horse won against three-year-olds uh, here at Keeneland, going six furlongs, got an 83 buyer that day. This horse is good on turf. This horse is good on dirt. If you go back to the maiden to the allowance win, that was at Churchill on dirt, 86 buyer, was able to go gate to wire. I think the four might be the fastest horse early in this race. And if the four is able to get out there and be able to get the lead early or at least attend the pace, I wouldn't be shocked if the four is the one that gets first run on everybody here. And then the, you're trying to catch static fire down the lane. And I like the fact that we're second off a layoff, a very long layoff, by the way, a nine month layoff there. And you also get a horse that ha- just went six and a half furlongs on that turf course at Kentucky Downs. That's a good uh, pr- race to progress off of just because the stamina you need to be able to go gate to wire over that Kentucky Downs course at six and a half. It plays almost closer to a seven furlong, seven and a half furlong type race. So I think Static Fire's got a big shot here at a, a nice little price of seven to two. Yeah, she's a curious horse here that uh, only two dirt tries, but both times six furlong allowances, and both of them uh, wins by a length and three quarters. So she's nothing if not consistent. Uh, you're getting Christian Torres aboard, who's two for four riding for Brian Lynch in the last year, three for four in the money. Um, so good connections there. I didn't, obviously I didn't use, but I don't hate this one here. Uh, yeah. uh you talk about Carl Ramrod's stat there. Yeah. Nice little stat here too. Lynch 32% over 37 starters turf to dirt with a $3 and 90 cent ROI. That's some phenomenal numbers. Holy that large of 39 or 37 uh, starter sample size. Those are phenomenal numbers. Wow. That is incredible. Good job. Carl Ramrod, uh, on that one. All right. So there's two, you've got one more and you are going to use happy soul who I brought up. I am going to use Happy Soul here. Uh, Wesley Ward switching this one back over to the dirt. Again, this horse has been successful on the Keeneland dirt. Two for three. The one uh, one race he was just throw out was the grade one Ashland. That was a mile and the 16th. This horse doesn't want to go that far. They thought this was a dirt horse. They ran over to the turf. They didn't love what they saw on the turf. Now we're going back over to the dirt. This one has tactical speed, has been able to pass some horses on the turf more recently. But I do think it's another, another player in this spot. You go back to the winner of the Dixie Bell uh, stakes at, at Oakland Park, $150,000 overnight stakes there. Sat in third, ended up getting the win. That was the third career start when this horse started out three for three. And like again, this was one of those where everyone thought the sky was the limit for her after she won both those races, the first race of her career by 11 lengths over the dirt. Now we're getting back to the dirt, and you're getting Johnny V up. He's one of those sneaky jockeys when Wesley Ward goes to him that, that I, I will – kind of gravitate toward because generally it's because Wesley Ward wants a specific thing. Velasquez has rode this horse consistently throughout her career. They're 20% Wesley Ward and Johnny V together. I'll, I'll take a little bit of a swing here. And I love we're adding blinkers too. So note the only two races this horse had blinkers, the first two of the career, won both of those by 11 lengths. When Wesley Ward puts blinkers on, he's two for eight so far, 20, 25%. So he's not something he uses very often, but when he does, it's effective. So I'll take a little bit of a swing here at Happy Soul, getting eight to one on it. Technically, she's two for three wearing blinkers. She also had it on in her debut, but go did she? Just oh. hairs. Yeah. By well. the way, look who she lost to was second to Nakatomi, who was in the Phoenix on Friday at Keelan. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Another Wesley Ward horse too. Um, I to me this is a horse that really doesn't when it when the race actually matters, she can't pass horses and she doesn't pass horses. So, um, respect the connections. No, not in this spot for me. She was second in this race last year. Kind of ran in place. 
and then Slam just took off and she got distance. So I'll pass on Happy Soul, but hey, maybe maybe blinkers are the magic tonic that puts her back in the winner's circle. Maybe after this race, you'll have a happy soul. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, by the way, I, we didn't talk about it, but um, uh, Slow Down Andy, I saw right as we were going live, Slow Down Andy out of the Breeders' Cup. Uh, I heard a couple of people whose opinions I trust say that they were a little nervous about the Santa Anita dirt track and how fast all the horses ran over a very hard uh, sealed fast track. So hopefully he's the only one that we lose from that day of racing from Santa Anita. So uh, it's a shame though, because that, that he was going to be a real fun horse, I think, for the classic. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough when when that Santa Anita track gets water, it's never a good thing for for the equine athletes. We saw that obviously a couple of years back as well, and like you just root yeah. for there's less rain at Santa Anita so that you don't have that track harden up. And that's what happens. It, once the rain comes, it, it dries really fast and gets super hard. And it's just not great. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's hopefully that's the only one we lose yeah we'll move on the third leg of the late pick five at keeneland on saturday october 7th race eight the grade one first lady stakes eight phillies and mares routing a mile on the turf it used to be a breeders cup winning year and for the philly and mare turf which i always thought was funny because it's a mile and that race is like a mile and a quarter mile and three eighths but whatever it's not the case this year you do however have the defending champ back she's the fortified favorite but mike the fact that there's eight horses in here tells me that the sharks think there's blood in the water they, they think this favorite in an italian might be beatable well to be fair three of them are chad brown so there's really only five other horses in here uh, <laughs> look i love white beam we've talked about white beam on this show at least mm -hmm. twice the last two wins was able to beat an italian last time out at saratoga uh it was a nice little exacta there um i don't think the mile is the right distance for white beam it just it feels like that mile and an eighth and that extra distance was what made the difference. Now, in Italian, should face a little more pace pressure in here, uh, specifically Evie Jets on the outside, who just somehow won from off the pace last time. That one was painful. Uh, fluffy socks or jumbly would have been fine with me in the Boston Spa, but, but uh, Evie Jets gets the job done at 30 to 1 off the pace. I think in Italian speed is just different though. I mean, we talk a lot about how when horses that when they're fast, but they have high cruising speeds, they're able to get out there. They're able to run away from horses, get comfortable on the front. When you combine in Italian's cruising speed with the fact that this is only a mile and she doesn't have to hold them off for that extra eighth of a mile and specifically have to hold off white beam, who I think is really the only competitor in here for her. Uh, to me, this is, I, I, I ended up singling in Italian. I didn't really want to, I wanted to try and beat mm -hmm. her. Um, but I, I'm going to single here, and I will tell you, I love the three, two, four Colts trifecta here as well. I realize it's chalk, but if you walk in there and you're getting four to one or eight to one on the three, two, four cold, I, I love it. That's funny. I was thinking three, two, seven cold. Uh, New Year's Eve, I think, will be sneaky to hit the board I underneath. So. I don't hate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, listen, I, I'm with you. We're both singling in Italian, and I can't. Uh, agree with you for uh, harder with everything that you mentioned about the distance uh, it favoring an Italian this is better for her than nine furlongs it hurts white beam I'm with you so um, defending champ loves the distance loves the track no projected pace pressure <laughs> and as Maella says Joel Rosario accepts your challenge to get an Italian beat <laughs> I, I mean it damn it the, Chris it is the one scary part however I'll give I will give Joel credit he's ridden this horse three times the only time this horse was not in the lead was when Tuesday ran down in Italian in the Breeders' Cup. Every other call, he had in Italian in the right spot. Hopefully, he just lets her roll. Uh -huh. This is probably like one of the three easiest horses to ride that I've like since I started following horse racing. Because you don't even need to like, hey, 
let's just, you know, rein the speed in a little bit. None of that. It's just literally just hold on and she'll just carry you as far as she can. Chris Mallow says, is this where we talk about how Irad got off in Italian and up to the mark to ride fierceness in New York? Yeah, I do love that fierceness in, uh, in the champagne stakes there. But we're not covering that. We're covering Keeneland. And speaking of two-year-old Colts that uh, he may or may not have decided not to ride, let us talk about the penultimate leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 7th, race nine, the grade one, Claiborne Breeders Futurity, a win in urine for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Kentucky Derby prep race, and a field of potentially nine horses going a mile and a 16th on the dirt. And I say potentially the two Timberlake, that's one of those Brad Cox horses that just got cross-centered all over the place. So he might run in the champagne at Backwoodocks. I'm not sure. I don't like him either way, so it doesn't matter to me. But I would like him to run because he's going to, to me, he's takeout. But where are you going on top? Yeah, I didn't use Timberlake either. I think he's going to run here. He worked out okay. on the 30th at Churchill Downs. So if you worked out on the 30th at Churchill Downs, I would assume you're going to run at Keeneland the next weekend versus ship all the way up there. Now, obviously, it doesn't take that long to ship a horse. They fly them around these days, so totally mm -hmm. possible. But based on kind of the fact that Brad Cox has multiple strings, it wouldn't make as much sense for me to ship out of here into there unless you thought this race came up really, really hard, which, by the way, came up pretty good. I, I think this is a, a fairly <laughs> good two-year-old uh, stakes race here worth the, the grade one tag and the $600,000. I'm going to go to the rail. Give me the one, the wine steward on top here. Um, last time we saw this horse, it was very impressive, beating New York Breads and El Grand O, who has looked phenomenal in his career. Very hard horse to run down. Uh, I think that this is a spot where the wine steward's tactical advantage is going to come to play here. You've got a lot of horses that want to go to the front. You've got a couple horses that actually have shown that they can close and beat horses when it's not a complete collapse. West Saratoga, I'm looking at mm. you, complete collapse. I think that this is going to play out really well for the wine steward who's going to sit in fourth or fifth, save ground on both the turns and be able to make a big move. I like the price at eight to one. I like the fact we get Sayas back on board. To me, it's all uh, it's all systems go here. Let's try and beat the seven to five favorite and locked. I'm with you. I'm with Dr. Tang. Let's go wine steward. Not my top pick, but second choice uh, in this race and, and all the reasons you mentioned. It's kind of funny that this is a son of Vino Rosso who's only ever gone six furlongs. Like, he's never gone farther than six furlongs. And you're like, you look at the breeding, like, this horse should, I mean, a mile and a 16th, we haven't talked about this, but at Keeneland, mile and a 16th on the dirt means that they finish at the 16th pole, which means if you're forwardly placed on the dirt, you've got a better chance, of, you know, it, it kind of favors you. So being more forwardly placed with Saez, it's Mikey Makes, I love it. Let's go, the wine steward. The one post also beneficial here. Because with tactical speed, that one is going to get you a lot easier to that first turn, which is going to then force other horses wide. A lot of times you'll see horses who have speed on the outside. They don't get that same positioning unless they want to absolutely gun it. And then it makes it a lot harder for those horses to be able to hold on late, even though you do have that short finish line. So I like the inside speed specifically here. It's one of the reasons I didn't put locked on top. I think that post position is going to be tough for him in the nine hole. Uh, so we have uh, agreement within our top two here. Where we put them is where we kind of differ. And so you singled the wine steward on your $5 ticket. I singled the number three awesome road on my ticket here uh, and is my top pick. One is debut at Ellis Park going six furlongs. Pressed the pace and then drew clear. I thought it was nice because he was kind of on the inside and still had to fight back to do it. Bet to even money then for his debut. He's going to be a nicer price in here because of the nine locked, who we'll talk about in a second. If the two stays, the two is going to take a bunch of money because that's got flow riding for Cox. And there's a horse that was second 
in a grade one. So there is, you know, that experience coming in as well. But if you look at his debut for Awesome Road, both the second and the fourth place finishers broke their maidens at Churchill next out. And I feel like this kind of sets up storyline wise. This is why I handicapped it, but just a fun storyline thing. If you remember last year's Breeders' Futurity, it was Pletcher and Forte. It was Cox and Loggins. It was that bang, bang battle in this stretch. And Pletcher got the better of him. Cox doesn't forget that. I think Cox is going to get the better of him here. So um, I think he's going to fit. Austin Rose is going to get the job done. Awesome, something Aaron Holtzman said a while ago that's always stuck with me. Brad Cox usually sends his best horses to Keeneland when it's open. So the fact that this horse is at Keeneland and you sent other horses to New York or to California, to me it says that uh, Awesome Road he thinks is his best horse right now. Yeah, I agree. Awesome Road is going to win a photo over Locked for second. Because <laughs> going to win the race. I, I have bang, bang, bang. As I, yeah, they can, they can bang heads and wine will just fly right by on the outside laughing it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've got Awesome Road in second. Right? This is one where the debut was absolutely eye-popping. Go back, you watch it, and you're like, damn, that's a good horse. Uh, it was bet down like it. It was a decent-sized field, so eight, uh, eight two-year-olds that day. So it's not like we're mm -hmm. beating three or four other horses, which you see a lot. Has tactical speed. Probably is your fastest horse. I mean, if 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 Awesome Road wants to lead, I think it's Awesome Road's leads to lead to have, which is also a positive. Mm -hmm. Should be able to go up and be able to get the lead with that short stretch. That's where you want to be here. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the the breeding. This is Quality Road AP Indy. <laughs> should be no interest, no issue, issues here at a mile and sixteenth at all for Awesome Road. So I, I like the three quite a bit here as well. I did use the nine locked as well. That was my third horse and last horse on the fifty cent ticket. Uh, locked looked great up at Saratoga and that that second race. I mean, the first race was fine, but it really it, when you go back and you watch the first race, there were issues throughout that broke poorly was in last early in that race. Uh, had to steady, tried hard the whole time. And then the second race stretching out to a mile just looked like an absolute beast. So I included locked here, um, but I, I like the one in the three more. So the reasons I'm going against locked other than the price, and that was a huge reason for it. The post, that's a big reason, right? Especially if, if you have all nine horses here, that just hurts him that much more. But um, I don't like that he was 12 to 1 on debut. And, and it was a race where you had BU in that race, another Pletcher horse. Uh, but I'm not a big fan of BU. That's a Pletcher horse that got sent to California for the American Pharaoh. Uh, Just Steele's in here. Don't have any interest in him uh, in this race. And then the horses who were in that race that have run since, six of them have run back. The best horse that's finished was the 10th place finisher that day, ran third on the turf. The first and second place horses, Justine and BU, ran seventh and fourth next out. So, I mean, I know Justine was in a, a tougher spot than the main special weight, but he didn't run well there. This is a grade one. And the only horse to run back from this horse, from Locke's maiden win, finished second in the next start to a horse named Stronghold. And that matters because Stronghold was second to Awesome Road. Boom! It all connects. Awesome Road for the win. <laughs> you got the little the conspiracy theory guy going there with all the different thumbtacks. Um, yeah, look, I, I would give Locke, like I said, there was trouble in the first race, so I'm not going to judge Locked purely based on that first effort. The second one was eye-popping. And, and like that, to mm -hmm. me, is, is why I was like, okay, all right. Again, also, it's a $425,000 son of Gunrunner. Shouldn't have any issue with the distance. Malibu on the bottom side. Malibu Moon on the bottom side. Like I, this, this horse, to me, is a deserving favorite. I, I'm interested to see what the price goes off at. We'll see what Timberlake ends up in here. If mm -hmm. Timberlake ends up in here, that's going to obviously affect the price on a lot of these. But I think Awesome Road takes money. I think the Wine Steward takes money. I, I'd be interested to see if Locked ends up going off at like eight to five or nine to five. Actually, floats up a little off the morning line. And just just to you know defend Just Steel a little bit, anyone 
anyone who was on the pace in the hopeful ran poorly because that, that thing collapsed like crazy. And that's, that's why we saw Nutella, whatever win. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to blame anybody who was on the pace in the hopeful and take anything away from it. Cause I don't think it's fair. Nutella fell like Gary Contessa opens yeah. and closes Saratoga with bomb wins. Yeah. I'm not going to forget that for a while. Uh, third up for me, you went with locked. I went with the long shot here. Uh, speaking of kind of the tinfoil conspiracies, uh, I'm going to go with the number six generous tipper, 15 to one morning line. This is the right price for playing Kenny McPeak in a grade one race with two year old baby. Uh, it's a price horse that I think is pretty logical. Uh, it sits a pretty close trip early in both of the dirt starts. Uh, is able to pass horses, uh, is able to overcome dis- uh, gaps. If you look at that dirt debut at Ellis Park, it was pretty weird. He had a, like, down the backstretch, he all of a sudden just backed up, slammed on the brakes yep. out of nowhere. I, and then from the, he started going again, and then it's like, shit, though, he's the only one that gained ground on West Saratoga, who went gate to wire. Everybody else just kind of fell apart. West Saratoga ran off, and this is the one that stayed with him. Next out comes back at Ellis Park runs really well inside a horse down the back stretch which is not an easy place to be took off when he was asked and he aired away so i thought it was a very professional looking horse nothing flashy but by street sense out of a curlin mare i, I think the, ter- the reason he debuted on turf was because mcpeak wanted distance for this horse and so sometimes you can't find dirt races in a mile that back in july for two-year-olds so I, I think this is a really sneaky one, and uh, maybe he does isn't strong enough to win right now, but watch out for this McPeak horse. If he can stay healthy, I think he might be a runner. Yeah, I'd co-sign it. Uh, this was who I picked fourth in the race. So I don't, I don't think it's out of the question that Generous Tipper is able to uh, get the job done and, and drop a quarter in the bucket at the end of this race because this, this just seems like a horse that, you know, we talk about McPeak at a price, especially Keeneland and Churchill Downs, places like that. This kind of fits that bill. And the horse has improved every single start as well. I think that's the other big part of this is just step forward, step forward, step forward. So you assume you're going to see a better effort. And then, like we talked about, the breeding with the others, that street sense out of a curling mare. Pretty good, again, for distance. So I don't hate the yeah. six-barrel stepper either. Yeah, be an interesting one. Uh, even if he doesn't win here, watch out for, like, Kentucky Jockey Club. I think this could be a pretty good one for him. All right, Mike, the fifth. Oh, wait. No, we did talk about locked. Okay, this fifth and final leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 7th, race 10, the Coolmore Turf Mile Stakes. Grade one race for nine uh, horses, three and up. All boys, I had to check this time. Uh, nine males, three and up, going, of course, a mile. Your defending champion, Annapolis, is in here, but he's six to one. Fourth choice, no love for the champ. What's up with that? Oh, yeah. Master of the Seas is in here. He's two to one. Yeah, okay. Talk to me about Master of the Seas, Mikey. Uh, it's a pretty good horse. Pretty good. All you need, all you need to know, pretty good. Uh, if you go back and you watch that Woodbine Mile, Oh boy. Like they, there was, I thought Master of the Seas was in trouble because you go back and you watch it and there's not much pace on. Like this is Woodbine 2347. That's not that fast to a half mile, especially for grade one turf horses. And you see where Master of the Seas is. And he's just like, you know, he's, he's in the back of the Armada, just hanging out there with his big gunships and then just boom. <laughs> I mean, as soon as they hit the turn, just flies by everyone, never even in doubt that Master of the Seas was going to be able to win the race. Just a really, really powerful performance. We talked about this one coming over, whether or not you know he would take to the the firmer turf courses here in the U.S. when we were previewing that race at Woodbine. So we did do that pick five there. Uh, I'd say he took to a little firmer turf course there in the good turf. Going to should be getting an even firmer turf turf course here with the firm. I, I, like, man, I, I would love to pick one of the U.S. horses. I'd love to pick up to the mark. I'd love to pick set piece. I'd love to pick Annapolis. Dude, they got their work cut out. It is going to take 
and this is crazy to say, it is going to take a career best effort from up to the mark to beat Master of the Seas on Saturday. I feel like I need to have some uh, like American Revolutionary War music, like some drum and fife playing in the background a little bit here, because it's going to be it's like a naval battle from 1776. You've got Master of the Seas for the British. And you've got Annapolis and Warfront for the Americans here. Does, uh, does let's it matter buy... that the only British horse is set piece? Well. <laughs> I, say, okay. I don't think we ever had big, any big naval, naval battles with Ireland. <laughs> They're part of the United Kingdom and England runs the United Kingdom. So therefore, it all Fair. counts. And, and watch, we're going to get a ton of hate because I know that the Euros hate that. Uh, okay, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Charlie Appleby is based in England. How about that one? Uh, Master of the Seas for me uh, is a single here uh, in the $5 ticket. I know you singled it in the $5 ticket as well. No real further explanation. And after what you gave there, we, we just saw, if, if you're watching or listening to this, you probably saw or listened to us react to it the Monday after. We and love this horse. They're undefeated in all three starts at a mile this year. Here's the thing too. When I saw his name pop up, I started laughing. Because I didn't know he was coming here. I just thought he was training up to the to the Breeders' Cup. This is a gelding, so it's not like he needs it for a stallion. He's in the Breeders' Cup because of the Woodbine Mile. He's just here because Appleby just wants to big dick it a little bit more. I think he's mad that he lost a bunch of races earlier this year. And Appleby's like, no, no. We don't have to do this, but we're going to do this. Just so that you really remember America, who's the king of your turf racing. It's me, the English guy. He uh he heard the slander that that Charlie Appleby lost a step. That's what we were hearing in the in the midsummer here, and he's like, no, no, let's just let's just bring one of the, the big boys over here, see what's happening. Um, am I really gonna get over two to one on up to the mark? Yeah, I think you're gonna get two to one. I think that's gonna be the off off price mm-hmm. on up to the mark. I think Master of the Seas is probably seven to five, maybe eight to five. I do think that set piece takes some money off that last effort. I think indestructible takes some money coming over here. First time U.S. uh, did switch trainers. Delgado is going to take over the reins there. And I think Annapolis takes some money. And I think deservingly so. Like, look, if any of these horses ran into Casa Creed at Saratoga, they wouldn't win either. You know? And so I'm not going to hold that against Annapolis. Now, that last race of Kentucky Downs. That could have been a little bit better. I think that would it's be Kentucky the Downs. Really... Yeah, and he. I mean, and there was a check at the 16th pole, so like you could make like, an excuse for Annapolis there. I, the the one thing is like when you look at how this sets up for Master of the Sea and up to the mark, there's pace in here. It's not even like like you have three horses that probably want to go forward, and that makes it less likely in my mind that you're going to see a big time upset here. I, I do think this comes down to one of four horses. It's either the one, four, five, or nine. For me, the four, this Keelan course is just a bad setup for set piece to be trying to rally from crazy far back with other really good horses that are going to be in front of him. So I, I kind of knocked the four out there, which means you're left with the one, five, nine. And I, I mean, if up to the mark, like it had a race in him, maybe I'm, I'm going up to the mark's direction here. But I don't love the fact that this is the, the first time we're really seeing a long layoff for up to the mark as well. I mean, he raced basically all the way through his two and three-year-old campaigns. Or I'm sorry, three and four-year-old campaigns up to this point. And, you know, it's been phenomenal. Uh, but it's the first time we're really seeing this horse off the layoff. I'm wondering what, what version of up to the mark we're going to get. I don't like that they rushed him back. All great points. Uh, I don't like that. They, it feels like they're rushing him back. And also... If you look at his past performances, like this is a horse that we've loved for the turf, like to represent the, until he got hurt. We're like, this is the American's best hope for the turf, not the turf mile. This is like a, a let's get him started back in a spot. And this is the only thing he's qualified for because he's a, a grade one, a multiple grade one winner. So this is kind of where he needs to go. But like, you remember the maker's mark mile 
I do. You know, I he it's Pierre. Yeah, he got beat. Like he, it was a mile at Keeneland, and it wasn't good for him. He goes to a mile and an eighth. Suddenly, he's a badass. He goes to a mile and a quarter. Oh, he's really a badass. Like it's okay. This is great. Mile, he's just gonna get started um, on him. I did see something, by the way. It'll transition to talking about my other horse. I find the ch- the comment. Okay, Car Ramrod wants to know: Did Flavian and Pratt get the choice and choose Annapolis, or did Rapoli choose Jose to ride up to the mark? Now, uh, I read Ortiz usually was. The rider for this horse, he's staying in New York. Um, I, Mike, I think it's this is a case where Irad and Jose share the same agent. Irad's not there, so we put yeah. Jose Ortiz aboard, right? Yeah, I, I think this is a situation where sharing the same agent really benefits both the Ortiz brothers uh, because it's a really easy shift, and you can make the argument. Well, look, Irad knows this horse really well. He can sit down, he'll talk to Jose, walk him through what he needs to know to be able to get on the back and have a successful race with up to the mark. Uh, so I think this is an agent thing as much as anything else. I don't think Pratt or honestly, well, Jose probably chose it, but he didn't really have a choice. He was told he's going to ride up to the mark. Uh, to me, this was an agent setup, and I wouldn't read too much into where the jockeys land here. Uh, the other one I did go with, and, and not because of that, I didn't read into it either, but great explanation. I did go with Annapolis for my other uh, horse on the 50 cent ticket here. Uh, Turf Miles' is game, other than the Breeders' Cup mile, which he, he completely blew the start last year and didn't he really have a chance that year anyways, but he, he completely lost it at the start. He's never had a bad race in a Turf Mile other than Kentucky Downs, and it's such a wacky track, and you mentioned it. He had, he had to check up at the 16th pole, so I went with him, Flavian Pratt. Uh, you know, is right up there with Tyler Gaffleon, with Irad, with Jose. So should be in line with uh, giving a good effort. And like you mentioned, there's no cost of Creed in here. So if Master of, the, <clears throat> Master of the Seas' wins at a mile have all been at one turn, if he can't turn twice and get the job done, there's the problem right there. Well, honestly, if you want the, the, the battle at sea between U.S. and the Br- Great Britain, shouldn't Annapolis be the U.S. horse? Yeah, that's what I said. Master oh, of the Seas for the Brits in Annapolis because he's by Warfront. Oh, well, I, Annapolis is also, isn't that where the Navy is? Uh, yeah, Annapolis, Maryland. Yeah, see? So that, that that was what I was going for. I thought you said up to the mark, so my bad. Oh, hell, I don't know. I might have. I'm just, I see. Yeah, no, Annapolis, Maryland, Naval Academy there. Uh, lots of lots of America in here. Smoggington playing from Annapolis. Shoddy, Shoddy bought an Annapolis Breeders' Cup hat from last year. Hoping to go to the Breeders' Cup this year and wear it and see him. So she really needs Annapolis to win so that she can go see him, you know, with last year's hat running this year's Breeders' Cup. Honestly, look, we, if, if we're gonna if if we and if you like Annapolis, throw a couple uh throw a couple bucks on English B right behind Annapolis and exactly is run behind Annapolis a couple times. English B, like uh, yes, I have a love for English B. English B <laughs> could fill out a try or a super here if uh if he runs the best race and a couple of them forget which way to turn. <laughs> Let's get into this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about Keeneland's opening fall meet Saturday, late pick five for Saturday, October 7th. Uh, if you're listening, we'll read out our tickets one last time. And if you're watching, take a look down below. Should be all set. Uh, we each have 50 cent and $5 tickets, so I'll go ahead and give my two and then give it over to Mike. For me, 50 cents, I'm going to hit the all button in the Woodford, then single the six, single the three, then go one three six and one nine. That's thirty six dollars on the five dollar ticket. Seven eight nine eleven. Single the six. Single the three. Single the three. Single the one. That's twenty bucks for mine, Mister Samich. 
Oh, 50 cent ticket here. I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to change this in real time. So hold on. You uh, filibuster for me for a second. Filibuster for a little. Listen, while we are uh, doing this, remember the Coolmore Turf Stakes, my Coolmore Turf Mile Stakes betting Bible is available at racenews.com. It's out. It's out, out, out. So you can get it if you are a premium subscriber. It's already there for you. If you don't have it yet, if you want to get it, let me tell you right now, it is $40 if you buy the Bible or for a minimum of $70, you get a monthly subscription. It will also include the Breeders' Cup 14 trends to know, as well as the wagering guide for the Breeders' Cup itself. That's $130 value, minimum $70 monthly subscription at racingdudes.com. Also includes free picks for every race, every track, every day. And those subscriptions could include the Samo Bombs from Mr. Mike Samich. There you go. Great filibuster, buddy. All right, I'm going to play a $45 ticket for 50 cents. Two, four. I added the ward at 20 to 1. Six, nine, 10 with one, four, five, with three, with three, or one three nine with one five cost you forty five dollars for fifty cents. Then we'll play a five dollar ticket back. Go nine eleven with one four with three with one with one cost you twenty bucks for five dollars. So sixty five bucks total on the two tickets. Uh Shadi asking the really important question. What mascot do you want to see live on the sidelines? Or live on the sidelines? I guess there's two ways to read that, isn't there? What do you mean what mascot? Well, you know, like the, oh, sorry. Uh, so this is a dude to bet daily thing where we started talking about how the dolphins used to have an actual live dolphin in the end zone way back in like the seventies. And then we were talking about like how the Dan Campbell for the, the lion's head coach when he first started was like, we're going to change the culture. It's going to be a team all about toughness and scare people. We're going to put a live lion on the sidelines. And people were like, you can't put a live lion on an NFL sideline. Yeah. So that, that turned into this. Well. Yeah, um, man, there's not even that many animals out there anymore. Um, I mean, you got the buffalo in Colorado. That's a pretty good one. Uh, I'm trying Does to Georgia what... still have the bulldog? Georgia still has Ugga. Like, they're in, like, Ugga 9 now. So they just yeah. keep rolling through the Uggas. Um, Ugga, Ugga. You know, it would probably be one of the bird teams. I'm assuming that there is some bird team that has a kick-ass bird you know, like I guarantee you there's like an Ospreys that has an Osprey. There's got to be some Hawks that have a Hawk fly around the stadium because I've like I've seen that stuff before. Um, yeah, I would I would probably go with Osprey or Hawk if I was going to go with someone or Falcon. There's got to be one Car- of them. Carl Ramrod, live endangered Bengal tiger. And then the, the players on the field had not only have to survive each other, but also the poachers from the bleachers trying to snipe at the tiger. We should we need an elephant. An elephant would be another good one. Oh man, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the pirate places, like like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Whenever they score a touchdown, just blast a cannon that just like scares the shit out of you every time. That's what I like. Or Columbus Blue Jackets. The one good thing about Columbus, Ohio, is that their hockey team has a cannon. I uh, I will give some props to Aaron's Oklahoma. I like that they have the stagecoach that rides out there, like you're on Oregon Trail after they score a touchdown every time. And I like the fact that there's always some suspense because I believe it was last year they tipped it, like right in the middle of a game, because they took too hard of a turn and the whole thing just went straight over. So I, that one's a fun one too from a, a tradition. I, I also credit to the Oregon Duck mascot who does a push up for every point they score. They score a lot of points in some of those games. That Duck those Chip Kelly eras, game. man. Ooh. The, the the like the packs and shoulders on the Oregon Ducks during the Chip Kelly era must have been like. I mean, when they when they when they go to the gym, man, Daffy Duck is intimidated. We'll just put it that way. 
Uh, I always like, I don't know, they're alive when they get tossed. The Red Wings fans always throw the octopi out on the ice. I don't know if they're still alive by the time they land. but That's just mean. That's octopi one. only have a one-year lifespan, and to throw them on the ice to waste that That's part not year. real. Yes, it is. Octopuses live for one year. I almost bought one, and then when I found out the lifespan, I decided not to get a pet octopus. 100%. One to five years. Hmm. That is crazy. I thought they lived yeah. like forever. No, I thought right? this was like one of those like, what is it, parrots? They're like, don't buy a parrot because it's like a 40-year pet. You're like, yeah. God, this thing's still here. Yeah, no, octop octopi do not have a, a long lifespan. However, they are wildly intelligent in that time frame and also grow quite a bit. Jerry could get through half of Western America on Tinder by the time that parrot died, I think. <laughs> Speaking of Jared, check out Blinkers Off. Uh, it was live earlier today. Final prep weekend for the Breeders' Cup races. Uh, and they gave picks and rapid-fire selections, uh, so check out Blinkers Off. Also, Dudes Who Bet Sports, Aaron and Papa Dude ran through the top 25 for college football and gave every pick for the NFL season, so check that out as well. Uh, tons of previews over here. 15 at, at racenews.com. We have 15 winning your in races between Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Not to mention the two that got rescheduled from last week that were yesterday. That was a bitch. So just like, let's add more onto Magic's plate. That was fun. Thanks, guys. Uh, no, it's great. Lots of racing. Lots of fun things happening over at racingnews.com. We'd love to see you there. And of course, check out the Coolmore Turf Mile Stakes Betting Bible and find out how you can get that for free with any monthly subscription. Before we leave, Mr. Samich, any final thoughts? Uh, going to be a crazy weekend. 15, 14 or 15, win your ins. So just a ton of races, big time races there. Uh, already through the Keeneland and Aqueduct cards, as well as the Santa Anita card on Saturday. All three of those will be up for the bombs. Uh, the Keeneland, like the total card is, is pretty good. The Aqueduct card could get nutty in my mind. We'll see what happens there with the, uh, the races. Uh, there's also a major tournament at Keeneland. So anyone who's wanting to play a tournament, you can check that out. It's available over on Express Bet. There's qualifiers running over on Horse Journeys. One of the last ones you can qualify for both BCBC and the NHC in the same swoop. So uh, get, get in on that. That's on Saturday, $4,000 buy-in. Uh, but you can win your way in for a couple hundred bucks. I believe it's, uh, I think it's like 275 something like that, on Horse Journey. So go check that out. Um, let's see. Anything else here? Oh, we got some uh, a terrible Thursday night football game. Got the Bears going in to take on the Washington Commanders. Uh, Commanders currently laying six, total sitting at 45. I got two bets from the game. Um, oh, really? I thought that was this week. Why would they not do it this week, Chris? All right. Well, we got one more week to qualify. There you go, everybody. I thought I had to qualify. Oh. This weekend. Uh, Bears going in to take on the terrible Commanders. Total sitting at 45. Commanders laying six. Give me the Washington Commanders over team total, 25 and a half. I think they're going to be able to score, and the Bears have been up. 25 or more in 13 straight games. And then me, give me uh, Curtis Samuel over three and a half receptions, plus 135, second on the team in catches. And he gets a bunch of short targets, so they're easy to convert. Rob Ben saying to play your Curtis Samuel prop, Samich. Good luck on that one. Do it, baby. We're gonna get that. Wasn't he, supposed to be sarcastic. Good luck. He gets he gets like two of those swing passes every single game. So you really need only need one or two others to be able to to push him over that three and a half total. He's had twenty targets in in just four games. So getting about five targets a game to get over three and a half. His quality of targets because of how short they are to the line of scrimmage makes it a lot easier for him. Um, I saw a player prop Justin Fields over 0.5 interceptions. It looked fun. Um, Minus one forty three last I saw. I think something like that. It was uh, it's been it's been getting a ton of steam. It opened up uh, plus money and is yeah, it's it's getting close to minus one fifty. But there's no, he's just not he's gonna get just sacked like crazy. There's gonna be no chance for him to have a pocket to get settled. Like it's it's gonna be a nasty game tonight. I agree with you. 
It's not great, too. I mean, Bear, Rob mentioned it. I mean, the Bears are starting two rookie cornerbacks, I believe, and one uh, one replacement player in the second or in the safety level as well. So they have three of their four starting secondary are all replacement players for a team that was bad with their starters in. So that's never a good sign. You want to watch some good football before Saturday. Friday night, 10 Eastern, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, BC Lions, a preview of the CFL Western Conference Playoff Finals. That's going to be uh, Friday night, 7, 7 p.m. Pacific. So we'll be nice and awake for that still, Mike. I'll come over. I'll bring some popcorn. We can watch it together. Yeah, you should totally do that. I'll be here. Oh, um, wait, yeah, it's Friday night. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, no, you're, you're coming now. You can bring the pot. We got a bunch of stuff coming from North Carolina. This it'll be, week. It'll be, it'll be gotta... Jenna and Lily and I on the couch eating popcorn and watching CFL. Lily likes football. You could get her to do it. Jenna's another, another, another story. Speaking of that, did Lily get to watch the Disney Plus uh, Jacksonville Jaguars Toy Story game? No, I was out of town or else I totally would have had her watching it. I, thought I didn't know did if you had to watch the replay job. or not. No, I thought they did a phenomenal job with it. And I, I know multiple people who have kids who are like, yeah, my kid watched the entire football game because they love the gimmicks of it. And I got to give them credit for the little stuff, like the little claw that picked up the football and put it back. Uh-huh. Phenomenal. The yardsticks being the, the slinky, slinky dog. dog. Yep. Excellent job there as well. So got to give them credit on the Disney plus side magic scale of one to 10. How excited are you for the Loki premiere, which is only about three hours away? Uh, about a three. Really? Is this I one? just finished. Listen, I did 15 videos yesterday. I have just been taking today to breathe, damn it. Like, no, I don't. Not all of us get whisked away to Vegas every weekend for work, okay? Some of us sit here and work. Uh, this is the one Disney Plus show I really liked. And that, like, so I'm excited. I'm, I actually have Loki on the other screen rewatching the last episode right now just to get, get in the right mindset. I was handicapping for the week. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for this one, especially after how bad Ahsoka was in the last episode. How dare you? Ahsoka was a brilliant show. How dare you? No, last, I am. Last, I am a, last episode was trash. Uh, how dare you? I needed to get through Ahsoka and kind of like marinate. And I think whenever my goal was once Ahsoka was done, kind of like marinate on it for a day. And then start uh, a Loki rewatch. I have no idea if we're going to try rewatching or watching Loki season two together, Mrs. Magic and I. We've seen one episode of Secret Invasion because we just don't ever have time. So well, that show's awful. One is too. One is enough. You don't need to see anymore. I don't remember anything about it, and I feel like yeah. that's not a good sign. I'm very marvelled out. It's a problem. Yeah, eh. it, yeah it's it's not great. And uh, to be fair, Ahsoka was good until the last episode. Well, the last well, the last two weren't great, but the last no. One- it was terrible. How dare you? You yeah, terrible rat bastard. I mean, I I'm could, just I, kidding. I could pick pick so many nits on that that show. It was just it was no can't can't buy it. I mean, I might be able to force push you across the Breeders' Cup wire wire by the time we get there with how fast she was able to learn how to do that shit. Uh, anyways all right we'll get out of here this has been fun uh thank you everybody for joining us uh for the keenland late pick five preview if you are going to be playing put your tickets down below in the comment section i'd love to hear from you follow us on twitter i'm at curtis keller he's at semo bomb 18 number one number eight corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes visit racenews.com for free picks every race every track every day across the country get your premium products including the summer bombs from mike samich and any subscription package includes the cool more turf mile stakes betting bible the breeders cup betting bible and the 14 trends to know we'll be back on monday for like an 18 hour show to talk about everything that happened this weekend until then i'm magic and i'm like i got one question for you patrick asks who on here is with the first breeders cup ever held i was not at the first 94 was my first year what was your first breeders cup year 
2017. 2017? Okay. So Ask I'm... me if I was alive when the first Breeders' Cup was ever held. The there we go. I, no. I know there's I, there's a lot of people from the show going to the Breeders' Cup. So let us know when your first Breeders' Cup year was as well. Can we throw a 30th anniversary party? I'll be going to the Breeders' Cup for 30 years next year. How wild it's is that? It's at Del Mar. Hell yeah. There we go, baby. Let's go. We'll, we'll probably be up to episode... Uh... 690 by then all right until monday when we're back here uh thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you then good luck this weekend everybody the magic mike show where you hear the experts speak the magic mike show tune into the show every week the magic mike show you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by racing dudes.com